three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to preview the Bears-Dolphins game coming up in just a second, plus a brand new interview today with Ryan Dempster. All-star pitcher and host of Off the Mound on the Marquee Sports Network. Talk to him extensively about some Cubs baseball, his career, funny stories, and so much more. You don't want to miss this interview. Comes up near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this. How you feeling? The Bears just acquired a pretty big-time wide receiver, in my opinion. They kept the majority of their draft picks. They got rid of Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. They've saved money for next year. And now they have a game coming up against Miami. They're 3-5. and five. They have a new head coach, a new aggressive yet shrewd GM, a growing quarterback, and a decent shot at being a great team next year. How do you feel? I feel hope. I feel excitement. I feel optimism for what's to come. And I could not be more proud and more thrilled for what Ryan Pauls did this trade deadline. The Bears completely pleased everybody. And that might be an unpopular opinion. Many of you have said, well, the Bears should not have given up Robert Quinn. They shouldn't have traded Roquan Smith. They didn't get enough back. To all that I say, it was worth it. Ben acquiring Chase Claypool for a second-round pick. Well, it's the Bears' pick, not the Ravens' pick. Who cares? You acquired a 24-year-old specimen at wide receiver who's put up two straight 800-plus-yard seasons with Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph as quarterback. I love that trade. And I love every single move. I approve of every single move Brian Poles has made during this trade deadline process. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but it's true. I love every move Ryan Poles has made. He has been shrewd. He's been decisive. He's been willing to take risks. Whether or not they work, we'll have to wait and see. But he's willing to put his neck out for this team and make moves that I think are going to help them big time. No more having to worry about paying Roquan Smith. No more having to worry about paying Robert Quinn. Two veterans who eventually will get or have gotten bloated contracts. Bears don't have to worry about it. Not their problem. 
They brought in a 24-year-old wide receiver who's experienced, who's had moderate success in the NFL. You know, he's younger than Bayless Jones. Younger. Bayless, to me, is a bust. He brought in a younger wide receiver with more experience and actual real success. And in my opinion, he is immediately the number one over Darnell Mooney, even. This was a huge trade for the Bears. Huge. Bigger than a lot of people realize, and they'll see it in time. Everybody's mad about the draft pick giving up, second round pick. I say, who cares? What would you rather do? Draft a wide receiver? Next year's wide receiving class is not going to be particularly strong. There's no George Pickens. There's no Christian Watson. There's no even Bayless Jones Jr. Instead, you get a proven wide receiver who's younger than Bayless, was more experienced, who's put up success with bad quarterback play. I love the move. And by the way, he's supposed to start this weekend against Miami. Now, Miami's made a move of their own. They acquired Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos, of course. When he comes to face the Bears, Chubb already five and a half sacks on the season, 26 tackles. That's going to be a problem. Tua Loa is probably going to light it up offensively, and this Dolphins offense, who's been pretty good all year, is probably going to do very good against the Bears team without Robert Quinn, without Roquan Smith, with gaping holes defensively. To that I say, what are you going to do? I know many of you thought this Bears team could be a playoff team. I even got caught up in that hype. After the way they started, after the way they've been playing the past couple of weeks, and it's not over. The Bears could rally, but their defense now is probably going to be their biggest liability moving forward. But I'm okay with Ryan Poles essentially, not really, but kind of, waving the white flag. The Bears were not going to be a good team this year. They were on track to be a developmental franchise. And now they brought in pieces to develop with moving forward. And they've gotten rid of bigger money concerns moving forward. I think this game this weekend is going to be close, but the Bears are going to lose. I don't expect to win. Two has been killing it. Tyreek Hill's the best wide receiver in football. They got Raheem Mostert at running back, and the Dolphins know to run the football as well. Not going to be easy. And it's most likely, 99% sure it's going to be a loss. But you know what? Don't care. If it's going to be embarrassing, you'll hear me rant. If Justin Fields regresses or the defense just gives up 50 points, you will hear me rant. But I don't think either of those two things will happen. I think it's going to be a closer game. The Bears will lose and we move on. And we move on week by week, all of us together. Because guess what? doesn't matter what happens right now. Now it doesn't matter. The Bears have conceded. They've told everybody, we are ready for 2023. And these couple of trades this week proves it. Claypool still has team control next year. Claypool's only 24 years old, and he's a real weapon for Justin Fields, no doubt. The Bears got rid of Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, rightfully so. To me, getting rid of bloated contracts and crybaby eyes from Roquan. What's not to like about this situation? I know some older, hardcore Bears fans have already commented and said the Bears are waving the white flag. I hate this. What was the difference going to be anyway? So, that's the question. I understand. I'm not a big fan of surrendering. 
not a fan of saying, you know what, here, take the season, we, we concede. I don't like that, but I do like this. We know by 2023, the Bears are going to have $140 plus million in cap space. They have Chase Claypool. They could go and spend money on whomever they want. They don't have to worry about off-field issues like a Roquan Smith holdout or a Roquan Smith issue. They could simply worry about the present. Oh, yeah, and Justin Fields is going to be fully developed, or more developed at least, and will put up great numbers next year. What's not to like about this situation? I love it. And just so you know, Justin Fields now has an 81 passer rating. This is the first time in his career he's hit 80, and he has seven touchdowns and six picks. First time ever he's had more touchdowns than picks in a season. Things are continuing to trend up and up and up. And week by week, we're seeing the vision from Ryan Pulse. We're seeing what could happen. We're seeing the direction he's trying to go in, and he's inching there. He needs patience, and he needs more games, and he really just needs this season to end. He could end it today, I'm sure he would. Seriously. Move on to next year. Draft with your picks, side guys, big salary cap space. That's the way you want to do it. But he does have to play out the rest of this season. The Bears do. And at this point, I would use the rest of these games for development. I would use this opportunity to gel as a team. I'd use this opportunity to fight for your spot if you think you might be in trouble. I would use this opportunity to learn how to play as a team. So that way next year, everyone's familiar with each other. Everyone's comfortable. And everybody has one goal, winning. The Bears are not going to win this game this weekend. Miami, their offense is so tough. Now their defense, as Bradley Chubb added to them, it's going to be a very tough task for the Bears. But I expect another encouraging game from Justin Fields. I expect more of running the football. I just expect the defense to give up a lot of points, more points than what the Bears could score. I mean, Roquan was essentially non-existent last week, and the Bears gave up 49. So I would expect... Something similar this week. Maybe not 49, but a decent amount of points if they cannot contain Tuatunga Bailoa, Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, the entire Abby Dolphins offense. My pick as of right now, 31-24, Dolphins win. I think it's going to be a seven-point game. I think the Bears will be in it. I just don't see them winning. And again, that's okay. I'm only going to rant if it's going to be really bad, if it's going to be embarrassing. I don't think it's going to be embarrassing because I think even the players know what's coming. They they see the vision. They see the idea that Ryan Poles is trying to trot out there week in and week out. They know what this team is going to look like somewhat in 2023. Contrary to popular belief, I don't think this is a morale killer. I think, if anything, it's a booster. Really. I mean, it sucked in the beginning. Hey, my leader is gone, right? You're at a job. My favorite boss is gone. But if you knew, hey, next year our profits would double, you'd be pretty excited, right? And my old boss was traded. He was transferred to a different company. But I know next year I'm getting a 2% raise or two times the raise, double the raise, right? You'd know you'd be happy with what you know is about to come. We know what's going to come for the Bears. We know. $140 plus million in cap space. Chase Claypool being under team control. The ability to go out and get another wide receiver. Get offensive line help. Draft. Big time. 
the Bears did not necessarily lose a draft pick. They still got their second-round pick from the Ravens. And a first-rounder this year, too. Ryan Poles has cleaned up a mess from Ryan Pace. He has completely dismantled and made this team better already going into next year. I've never seen the Bears this good financially. I don't remember the last time the Bears looked this good financially. They look great. They look ready to go. They look like a contender. This is what a contender would look like financially and draft pick-wise. I loved all these moves. Anybody who tells you they're not a fan or they think it's stupid, they got rid of Roquan or Robert Quinn, I would point them to next year. Point them to what's to come. Point them to the light inside the tunnel. I'm younger. I'm okay waiting one more year. I know a lot of you, I've been a fan for 45 years. I've been a fan for 50 years. I have no hope. I have a little bit more hope. Maybe because I'm naive. But really, you see the vision here. You see the idea that's trying to come to fruition. If it doesn't work, well, then I'll be wrong. I'm okay with that. Polls will be wrong, too. He'll probably be fired. But I like the direction, and I want to give him an opportunity to show everybody what he's trying to do in the football field. Roquan and Robert Quinn were just veterans. They were good, but they were going to be distractions. Robert Quinn needed to be paid continually, and Roquan was already holding out. And Chase Claypool, at 24 years old, is an accomplished and respected NFL wide receiver. I'd rather get him than some rookie and have to teach him when you already know he could do something. Putting up these numbers in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger at the end of his career, Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett. He's had a mishmash of quarterbacks, and he's still produced. And I've said this so many times in the past, mainly about Allen Robinson. There are very few wide receivers who could produce no matter who the quarterback is, and that's a reflection on that. See, there are a lot of wide receivers who are the preferred target of the quarterback. Darnell Mooney fits into that category a little bit. That's Justin Fields' preferred target. Chase Claypool, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter how good or bad they are, no matter where they are in their stage of their career, he will produce. It's been proven. At a young age on top of it. Younger than Bayless Jones and can still produce. There's something to be said about that. Big time. And the Bears got him for a second-round pick. Totally worth it. Not a doubt in my mind. The Bears went after a real wide receiver, not somebody who needs a quarterback, somebody who has had a good track record, but near the end of his career, they got somebody at 24 years old, fresh legs, fresh body, who's put up numbers no matter who the quarterback is. He's put up and he's made people shut up. Now he's coming here to Chicago. No more uh, field issues for him. Bad coaching, bad offensive scheme. I mean, their offensive coordinator is going to be fired, Pittsburgh. Matt Canada, he's going to be done at the end of this year. I like Chase Claypool. I like this move for the Bears. And I like the fact that they got rid of their last high-paying guys, their last guys who could have or would have caused a problem contract-wise. They have money to spend now, a lot of money to spend. They've already acquired somebody for Justin Fields, so they've shown now some real trust in Justin, and rightfully so, based on these past couple of weeks of play. Now you've got a plan heading into 2023. Tell me how this was bad again. I'm waiting. Great move. Great job, Ryan Pauls.
for this weekend. Don't expect to win, but expect, I would say, somewhat of a good performance. Expect the Cowboys game again, but maybe plus points given up. Really, there's no reason why the Bears can't put up 24 points, and there's no reason why the Dolphins are going to put up 50. I would assume, I would hope the Bears could contain them a bit. A little bit better, but I'm going to understand if the defense can't hold up. Need to see more growth from Justin Fields. I have a feeling we will. A little bit worried about the offensive line now with Bradley Chubb. But I think this will just be another encouraging performance. The Bears are going to stack these up. Justin Fields is going to stack these up and come next year, or come the end of this season even, we're going to know, number one, Justin Fields is the guy, I would hope. Number two, there's a vision for the future. We're going to look back on this year and say, hey, if the Bears just had a defense in this game, they would have won. Hey, if the Bears just had this in this game, they would have won. And then next year, they're going to actually make big differences and make things better. And I think that's the important part. That's the encouraging part. So my hope is things get better, and I'm excited to see what the Bears have to offer moving forward. Till then, though, I think it's going to be a loss on Sunday. But more good things to come for the Bears moving forward. Go to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Brian Dempster comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Every chance of glory, we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's a World Series champion all-star pitcher. Host of Off the Mound on the Marquee Sports Network. Please welcome Brian Dempster to the program. Brian, it's great to have you on. How are you? Good, John. Good to be with you again. What do you make of the Cubs season first off? I want to start there. Yeah, growth, right? I, I, I was I was happy with the growth. Um, I think, you know, obviously it was a, a frustrating kind of, uh, as you got towards the end of May into June, just um, battling everything. When you have a lack of depth, and you have injuries, then that's where you really start to get exposed. But at the same time, that creates opportunities for some guys to showcase themselves. And as you're in a, a retool, rebuild mode where you start to kind of see what your future looks like, the more you can have guys come out there and, and have an opportunity to uh, to show themselves, um, the more that benefits you as a team, as an organization. I thought uh, David and the coaches did a really good job of getting a bunch of young guys ready to play. Um, and I thought what they did down the stretch of September, listen, People talked about the schedule and they said, oh, the schedule's not very tough. Cool. There's still big league teams you're playing against. And and they're on the winning side a lot of those ball games. And for a team that looked like they might lose 100 to not even lose 90, I think that says a lot about the coaches and the manager. Um, and then, you know, kind of the the future being a little bit bright again um, here going into the offseason. And, and now you see where you're at. So I thought there was a lot of positive things. I thought there's, you know, obviously some 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 growing pains in there, but that's that's what you have when you have youth. And um, it, it was fun and it was exciting to call the games. What most contributed to their success, especially in the second half? Pitching. You know, we get so caught up in, in, in you know, the home run and offense and how great that can all be, um, as we're seeing in the, you know, the World Series right now with a lot of home runs. But at the end of the day, pitching and defense is what wins you ball games. And Ian Happ winning a gold glove, Nico Horner playing exceptional defense. Chris Morrell, you know, the growth that he took as, a, as an infielder and outfielder playing multiple positions. So when you do all that and you catch the ball, your pitchers put up good good numbers. And what they did down the stretch, guys like Adrian Sampson providing uh, an opportunity to what he might possibly be in the future, Marcus Stroman being healthy and, and pitching like the guy they expected to get. 
Um, you know, young guys like Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, the Justin didn't, you know, kind of got his innings cap, but, you know, Keegan Thompson be able to go out there, show what he could do as a starter. And then what he did out of the bullpen was pretty electric. So yeah, just the way they pitched, you know, was just really, really impressive. And Tommy Hadovy, Chris Young, Daniel Moskos, these, these coaches really had them prepared to go out there and, 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 uh, and do what they did. How feasible do you think the starting pitching is for next year? I mean, if everything continues like it did at the end of this season, this could be a very strong rotation in 2023. Yeah, and you need more, right? Because you need you need more depth. I said good starting rotations always have seven good starters. You know, it's <laughs> it, guys are going to miss time, especially the way it is nowadays. Pitchers don't go deep into ball games, so you, you know you're going to need guys um, to be able to provide innings to keep your bullpen strong the whole year. Hopefully, Kyle gets nice and rested, so he's back next year. Um, but if you can go out there and whether that's be a, a trade acquisition acquisition or whether it's free agent market, get some more starting pitching um, so that you can allow yourself the opportunity to be able to, you know, make it through the tough stretch when a guy maybe goes on the IL for a little, a little bit or even an extended period of time. And, but I thought there was a lot of positive signs. Um, and, and I think guys like Steele and Keegan Thompson, especially those two guys to me, I feel like they're only going to get better. And so you're going to see even more growth out of them going forward. Do you have anyone specific in mind, somebody the Cubs should target starting pitching-wise? <laughs> uh, Jacob DeGrom would be great. I mean, I think, you know, um, that's going to cost you a lot of money, you know, but which is fine if that's on a shorter-term deal. I think, you know, we, we saw this before, right? 2015, the Cubs signed John Lester that going into the 2015 season. That's huge because that set the dominoes – yeah, they didn't win the World Series in 2015. They made the playoffs and obviously go to the NLCS against the Mets. But that was the that was the statement. All right, you go get this starting pitching with the young developed, um, you know, minor league baseball players that you had and young guys coming. You need that veteran. You need that guy to be able to do that, the, that lockdown number one starter. And John was exactly that. So if you go get a guy like DeGrom, you automatically turn yourself into a contender next year. But then you're also – you know, looking at the future. Do I have concerns a little bit about health? Yeah, because there's been things, you know, when you throw consistently upper 90s to 100 miles an hour, you know, most doctors and even orthopedists will tell you it's not supposed to move that fast. Arms not supposed (laughs) to move like that. So, but I do, I do, I do love, you know, what he brings to the table, obviously, but it's, it's going to be tough to compete with what's out there for him. How do you feel about the difference today in starting pitching versus when you played? You mentioned pitchers don't go as long as they do. They're throwing harder for longer amounts of time. How, how do you feel about that, knowing the era in which you pitched in? Yeah, and you could argue the era, the era in which I pitched in was a century long. Sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's what's the hardest thing is there's been this, this drastic change, especially the last five years, so dramatically. I mean, we focus on third time through the lineup, third time through the lineup, third time through the lineup all the time. But the reality is, is that we don't teach the guys how to pitch three times through the lineup. We catch and sink it. First batter comes up and that pitcher might throw a fastball, then a breaking ball, then, then all of a sudden a cutter and then a changeup. Now that hitter's seen four pitches, no wonder he can't get him out three times through the lineup. You know, so you got it. You got to figure out a way to teach these guys. But the reality is, is that that's not the case right now. And I don't know if it comes back to that. If we get back to that somehow, some way, you know, sometimes a guy that first time through the lineup is the toughest time he has. And all of a sudden he gets locked in. So, you know, part of me doesn't like it, but I know I'm not, a, I'm not a get off my lawn. Well, when I played guy anyways, so, um, you know, it's evolved, it's evolved very quickly. 
analytics made it make it evolve. But, um, you know, I still think that you're talking about the best baseball players in the world and the best pitchers in the world. I think they're capable of more. That's all. Take me through when you pitched, like how would you approach a hitter versus maybe how the guys do it today? Like going three through uh, three times through the lineup and they're out of the game. How would you do it differently and allow you to stay in games longer? Yeah, I think, well, the first thing was like, you know, you're literally trying to get every hitter out with a fastball, a located fastball. If you can locate a fastball, even if the guy knows it's coming more often than not, you're going to get him out. If it's in the right location, if it's not to his money spot and he's geared up for a fastball, I want him to swing. 2-0, great, awesome, he's geared for fastball. If I locate and I execute my pitch, you're probably going to be out. Statistics would say, if we're going to use the analytics, they would say that you're going to be out more often than not. Um, but if I don't, then I'm in trouble. And so, you know, it was about getting ahead, establishing your fastball command. So now if I could work through a lineup one time with throwing very limited breaking balls, now all of a sudden, that second time through the lineup, guess what? You come up again to lead off and I get you another fastball again. I still have multiple pitches I can go to versus now I think the mentality is, is like, get them out right now. And this is all that matters. Get them out, get them out. And, they, and then we'll just go to somebody in the bullpen. And if they can't do it, we'll go to somebody else the next time through. So I think that's changed a lot um, as far as, you know, kitchen sinking guys from get go. Uh, but there are still guys. That's how they pitch. They, they're going to come after you with their fastball and then they're going to spend. So I think that's how it's evolved a lot is, you know, kind of going to the cold zones right away. Um, but when I was coming up, it was like, yeah, cool. I want to throw you a breaking ball, two out, nobody on. Why would I do that right now? Cause you might come up in the fifth inning with two out, two guys on base and nobody out. And now you see my best breaking ball against a really good hitter. I'm in trouble. Kind of sounds like to me, a closer mentality for a starting pitcher. And the funny part is you were a closer and a starting pitcher. So what was the difference there for you when you closed games versus started? Yeah. Well, like as a starter, you're warming up. I got my fastball ready. Then I got my breaking ball ready. Then I got my split ready. Um, and then go from there. And then as a closer, it's you get fastball down number one, and then go to a breaking ball, one of the two, whatever one you got. And then when you go in there, there's no setting anybody up. I think that was probably one of the struggles I had when I was struggling as a closer was I wanted to pitch. You got to, you got to just go right away. If that means you throw five sliders in a row, you throw five sliders in a row. There's no setting anybody <laughs> up for anything. They've seen some guys, you know, that are, that are a lot better already in the, in the lineup, you know? So like, that's, that's one thing that, you know, they've already seen that they've already seen, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Brian Dempster here on sports talk, Chicago, Brian, what's your take on the new playoff format this year? Um, you know, that you better be hot coming into the playoffs. <laughs> like, Dodgers $300 million payroll and all those good players. Cool. Awesome. How's your tea times going? You know, like, it do, it doesn't really matter. New York Yankees get it. Great, you're you're at. It do, it's who's playing hot at the right time. And you know the Astros were hot all season long. They played well down the stretch. They're in the World Series. The Phillies they come to Chicago. They get swept by the Cubs. I'm sure there's some sort of meeting somewhere that we don't know about. Whether that's on a plane ride, a bus ride, in the locker room, and they turned it around. And and all of a sudden, like they're playing as good as anybody that we've ever seen play all year long. Do you feel it's fair? Do you like this format knowing a lot of these big-time teams were eliminated right away and these other teams who got hot kind of made it all the way? Uh, I don't, personally. Just, you know, what's the point of playing 162? 
let's just play a 40 game season and go from there. Like, <laughs> you know, I understand it brings excitement and more playoff games generate more revenue. And there's a lot of ex- things like that. So there's a lot of money to be made with more playoff games, especially for, uh, for people who own teams. Um, but at the end of the day, what's the point of the grind of 162 and winning the division? If you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, but that being said, if you're that good to go out there and win all your games and win your division, show up when it time when you know there's no guarantees. Just because you were the best team all season long, awesome. What'd you do? You got home field advantage, and you be better better be ready to go. These teams that are getting the playoff, the parity around baseball is becoming more and more evident. How do you compare today's format to back when you played? Because you've been in many playoff games, World Series. How do you compare that to when you played? Yeah, I, I think you know there's just that added element, right? The the wild card games and stuff like that um, versus the division and the one wild card team that got in. Um, so I, I think, you know, there's a little bit more opportunity. I, I think it makes um, the trading deadline a little bit more interesting because teams have to really self-evaluate a little bit better. Um, but yeah it, yeah, it adds a little excitement to the game. And if that's what we're trying to do, then that's the most important thing, right? For fans of each city to, you know, a team like Philadelphia who's sitting there, in third place in their division all year. And now all of a sudden um, they're, they're, you know, rocking that stadium and, and firing <laughs> up the, uh, what do they call that thing? The seismic meter that they do the earthquakes with. So, I mean, you know, good for Philadelphia for having that opportunity and for them for making the most of it. I always said, man, you leave that door ajar just a little bit to any team and they're, they're good baseball players and they, they're getting hot at the right time. Who do you think is going to win the world series? Philly. You do. Yeah. What makes you say think that? that they got, uh, they, they a couple different things. Uh, one, they got really good pitching. They got really good starting pitching. Um, so are the Astros, both ends. I think offensively, they're a juggernaut right now. I think what Bryce Harper is doing is the reason why he got the contract. He, we're seeing a 16 year old kid on the cover of sports illustrate come to fruition right in front of us. Um, and then they got, they got it. We, I, when I talk with guys, there's this thing, it's the it factor. And we don't know what it is. It's just something there. It's within them. And they, you know, a guy like Kyle Schwarber, that's a leader. You listen to all those guys talk. This guy broke a curse in part of a big group and did something that really, let's be honest, nobody's ever done what he did coming back from that injury and then playing in that. He has those guys believing and Rob Thompson's done a great job with them and they're just feeling it. And that place is electric. And if they win one more here tonight, this might be over in five, or if not, I think they win it back in, in Houston. More to come with Brian Dempster in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Brian Dempster still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Brian, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, what's your best playoff memory? Oh, wow. 2013 World Series Game 1. You know, as a kid you have these moments in the backyard or the playground you're playing and you're thinking things through your head, right? I'm this player. I'm doing this. Oh, it's game seven of the world series. Like I got to sit there and finish out a win at Fenway park game. One of the world series. Um, David Ross is my catcher strikeout. The last pitch I ever threw in the big leagues was the strikeout to end game one of the world series. And then, you know, to win the whole thing and go through that whole experience, it, you know, people talk about it being euphoric. It is, you have almost like it, an out-of-body experience. I kind of forgot, honestly, for a while. I went down a trip down memory lane the other night about 1 o'clock in the morning. I was looking at game logs and play-by-plays and remembering all these plays in my head because 
it was it was an amazing experience and to win a world series my last season was you know unforgettable how's it feel today to know that you went out on top and you left the game being a world series champion yeah incredible you know obviously you know i miss it a lot i miss that competition and 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 all of that journey right like i remember kobe bryant talking about the journey being the reward you know it's not the destination it really is and you know I, when I when I look at that whole season, of course I remember the end, and I and I remember how enjoy. But I actually it's it's a distant, foggy memory, compared to all the parts throughout the season, the journeys, the team dinners we had, the the hanging out in hotel rooms, playing Jake Peavy playing his guitar till four in the morning and singing songs, <laughs> and you know going walking around Times Square with a couple of guys after a late night in, you know like um to team parties at big poppy's house afterwards to my family being there to taking my son and 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 having thrown a batting practice like all those things throughout the way the journey along the way to me it just totally just out out kicks the 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 end result as great as the end result was it was the journey that really was um you know kind of the pinnacle of it all how special was it, too, to win with David Ross? I mean, now he's the manager of the Cubs. You're broadcasting for the Cubs. You're with the Cubs. I mean, what's it like now that you two are kind of still together after winning that World Series? Yeah, it's special. You know, I mean, he's a great friend, but I just admire him in a lot of ways. His leadership that year. You know, a lot of people forget he took a couple of foul balls off the head that year, and he actually was at home in Florida in Tallahassee in, in his basement with concussion syndromes. Um, Sal Tulamaki was our everyday catcher. And then when Rossi came back, he – you know, he really took the bull by the horns. He was a great mentor to Salty. He, he was great. They were a great one-two combination. And he just really led our pitching staff in the playoffs. And that's what won us the World Series was the way we pitched. I mean, we came up with time, pitching and timely hitting, you know, the big home run by Gomes and what Big Poppy did in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, Victorino. But David was a, a true leader, and he wasn't afraid to stand up for what he believed in. If that meant, you know, sitting there having hard conversations, he was comfortable having that. And, you know, the love and admiration he showed for us as teammates. And um, I was just so proud to to be his teammate that year and to see not only that lead into now coming to the Cubs and then being a part of being such a great leader for that team and then now being a leader at, at the ultimate height of being the manager for a, a, a club and, and hopefully see him, you know, doing the very same thing, raising a trophy on the north side as the manager would be pretty special. What's the funniest moment YouTube shared? <laughs> can't talk about that right here there's been a lot of them it's been pretty it's been pretty unbelievable all right um yeah i'd say i'd have to say a, a late night karaoke in my basement you know that's that's a go-to every time any specific song requests or what do you guys sing yeah when he does it takes two by run dmc it's i mean he nails it i mean he, he's got good range because he can go from there and he'll throw down like some you know some blake shelton slightly after or it, it, he's <laughs> He can sing. The guy can sing. I'll say that. <laughs> Ryan, before we finish up today, last question. This one's important. Okay. I, I did some research. Was there intent when you threw at Ryan Braun in 2009? MLB said no, but I'm asking you personally. Wow. How, how about that? Um, which time? You mean the one at Wrigley Field? Yeah, the one at Wrigley. Yeah, I full on meant to hit him. See, true story. I'll give you the story because not a lot of people know this. Um and people wonder what players are going through, right? The day before, earlier in the season, the day before I was pitching in Milwaukee. Okay. okay my, you know the story. A lot of people know the story about my daughter, Riley, and she was going through a lot of stuff off the field. So I was going through stuff off the field. Well, I had to give a blood transfusion for Riley had a surgery. 
So the day before my start, I gave a blood transfusion at, Ch at, at Lurie's Children's, and then I drove up to Milwaukee, and I started against the Brewers. Now, early in the game, it was like the fifth inning, Ryan Braun's second at bat. He's leading off the inning, and, you know, I kind of wiggle in my glove out there, do my thing, and I come up to make a pitch to home plate, and he squares around a bun. Now, it just caught me off guard, and I threw a pitch that went almost right at his head. But it was 83 miles an hour, and it was a fastball. That's what I mean. It caught me off guard. I was like, oh, he's bunning. Like, what? Ryan Braun's never bunted off me in his career. He's never even tried. <laughs> and, and, and he ducked. And they said it hit him. And it, come to find out, it didn't hit him. It hit his bat. But then later on in the game, in the eighth inning, in the bottom of the eighth inning, I'm losing three to two. Lou still had me out there. He hits a solo home run off. And he proceeds to style the home run like big time. Took his way down to first base. Now, if I knew that he knew what I was going through, I might have tackled him, you know, like, but he doesn't know what I'm going through personally. And it, it upset me a lot. But at the same time, it's not his job to know that kind of stuff. So I was a little taken aback by it. And I think it was his response to what he felt like was being thrown at. But also read the room. I threw 83. It wasn't thrown at you. Like it was literally like, and it didn't hit you. <laughs> okay. So the next day, Trevor Hoffman grabs me and he's like, Hey, I talked to Bronny about that. And I told him that's, you know, that's not how we do things. Blah, blah, blah. So just, I'm a pretty approachable guy, John, you know that. Of course. And I'm like, why doesn't he come say something to me? You know, or let's talk about this. And I can just let him know how I was feeling about it all and that I wasn't throwing at him. You know, I'm not a headhunter. Never have been, you know, I don't think anyways. So now he tells Michael Hoffbauer, who was our first baseman, he gets the first base that next day. And he says, Hey, tell Demp my bad that, that, you know, Sorry about that. Won't happen again. So now I'm mad because I'm like, you can't even talk to me. Like, come on, man. Like, come over and say something. You need to tell my first baseman. So now, pan ahead years later, he comes up and pinch hits. That was a pinch hit appearance at Wrigley. And we're, we're like winning. It's a close ball game. And he comes up in the first pitch. I just roasted him right in the ribs. But the best part was I told Michael Hoffpower, I said, hey, whenever Bronny gets the first base, tell him. Demp said, my bad. That won't happen again. <laughs> so now he gets to first base, and I look over there out of the corner of my eye, and I see Hoffauer walk over there and go, hey, man, Demp said his bad. You know, won't happen again. And it was like he just shook his head like, all right, you got me, you know. So, yeah, cool. they can go ahead send me my suspension. I'll, I'll take a five-day paid vacation. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Go. Yeah. Never heard that story before. That is so A lot of backstory. A lot yeah, of backstory. Back back there you got it. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate you taking the time, Brian. Always great to have you on. Uh, great stories, great insight, and looking forward to the next time we chat as well. You bet, John. Great to be with you. Great talk there with Brian Dempster. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Appreciate you tuning in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglou. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?